Hello and welcome back to the Anti-Football Podcast with me, Thomas Norman and Luke Griffin. Uh, today we're going to be talk- doing a review of Newcastle United's defeat to Sheffield United, uh, followed by a quick preview of their next upcoming, well, upcoming fixtures, which include Arsenal away. Uh, we'll get straight into it. It was a really, really disappointing performance. Um, I feel like it could have been seen a mile off with the team selection. Uh, which we'll get into shortly. Uh, and yeah, it, it's just, from a Newcastle fan's point of view, it was just really frustrating. It was almost like everything that's wrong with Steve Bruce and the like the way that the squad is run at the moment all just like came to a climax in this game. And you just saw like what was, what's wrong, everything that's wrong with how the, the club's run at the moment. Uh, and I think it was just... So like soul sapping for most of the Newcastle f- fans because and I think anybody who decided to watch that game, which I don't know why you would have anyway. Yeah, I said before the game, I thought this is going to be an absolute thriller. I was so like, it made me think of the um, that Newcastle Cardiff game from like two seasons ago, which we agree was like the worst game of football we've ever seen. That and I was worried that this game could have been on like the same level as that. Um, but you said about obviously the lineup sort. Of, from the lineup, you could tell that it was going to be a poor result. Uh, what did you make of the lineup overall? Uh, yeah, I, it was absolutely diabolical, to be honest with you. We talked about in our, it was absolutely diabolical, to be honest. With you. Uh, we talked about in our preview <laughs> about how we're going to, how we thought, we both thought that a back four, changing to a back four would be a smart idea. Because he played back fives against the bigger clubs in City, Leicester City, Man City, and uh, Liverpool. But before that, he'd been playing a back four. And he played a back four against Palace, where we won. Played a back four against West Brom, where we probably didn't deserve to win, but we did win. Um, and then, I don't know why he stuck with a back five for this game. Uh, it it was Dummett at left wing back, who is at, at best a left centre back in my eyes. You can't even you couldn't play a left back in the back four really comfortably at this level, and is far from a wing back. Uh, he drives my dad absolutely insane because every time he gets the ball, he passes backwards or loses it. Uh, and then in midfield, you had sort of Hendrick and Hayden as middle and then Sean Longstaff and Ryan Fraser playing as like almost inside forwards off of Callum Wilson. Uh, Sean Longstaff, I don't mind him being given a bit more freedom to go forward, but he's not in a good range of form at the moment. He's under a lot of pressure from the fan base. Hendrick and Hayden provide no creativity whatsoever Ryan Fraser coming back from injury and obviously not fully match fit looked quite like off the pace and then Callum Wilson just basically playing what I think should be known as the Joe Linton role from from last season as playing as this lone striker in a a 5-4-1 with absolutely no one around him and he tried hard but to be honest with you there's very little you can do from that type of position yeah like for me I have no idea where you play a back five like you're playing against Sheffield United, who are by far and away the worst team in the league, who, you know, they've been, fair enough, very unfortunate with some of their results. Um, and they've really, like, been done quite harshly. But they are still bottom of the table. And before this game happens, no wins. And I can understand going for a 5 or one and being more pragmatic against the top teams, which is what Bruce normally goes for. But, you know, this is a sort of game where you, you know, we talked about the preview where this is like a must win. This is, if you lose points here, like, you are really setting off a poor chain of events. And I just don't understand why you just isolate Wilson up front on his own and just, like, I just, I do not understand the decision-making behind this at all. 
Yeah, I I think I saw a stat tweeted that uh, Newcastle's five most creative players this season are Callum Wilson, John Joe Shelby, Alan St. Maximin, Miguel Almiron and Joe Linton. They've created the most chances and have the, the like statistically are the most sort of threatening players from our squad. So fair enough, Shelby was injured, St. Maximin's injured or out with COVID. Uh, Callum Wilson starts, that's the least surprising thing. Benching Almiron and Joe Linton, I could, it, it doesn't make any sense in this type of game to me. I mean, if you're going to use them, why not use them against teams where they're going to have more of a chance to attack rather than against teams like Liverpool and Manchester City where you're going to be on the back foot for pretty much the entire game and you're going to get about two chances to attack in a half, probably. And it's, it just doesn't make any... It was so backwards. And I think, I think on the team selection alone, I think loads of Newcastle fans would have just seen Bruce sacked. I think they would have seen him before the game. And the fact that he's not been sacked after the game, which we'll get into, is, in my eyes, a completely idiotic decision by the club. Bruce said in his uh, post-match interview that he tried to change things in attack because they haven't scored. And then just before that, he said that we, they, they didn't create anything. Um, obviously, we've talked about the lineup, but like, do you think if you tried to make any sort of positive change, or is that just a bit of a cop out? No, it went. He's gone completely backwards. It was, a, it was the way the way the way in which it panned out in the game. It we really looked. I think in immediately after the first half, we fair enough. There was a sending off at half just before half time, which we're, again we'll get into, but. For the first half, we were by far the worst team. All, any Newcastle fan, any neutral would admit that. And Sheffield played some good football, fair enough. But they are a team that is very low in confidence. And if we'd come out and played with a four at the back and been, actually had changed something to attack, he did change something, but he made the team more defensive. And then we just, as he said, we didn't create. And that's the, like, the most obvious statement ever made, I think, in football. Yeah, well, and then the substitutions were so you know you had a decent amount of options off your bench, and you brought in Andy Carroll, Matt Ritchie, and Jacob Murphy. So, Almiron was unused, Joel Linton unused, even Anderson, who I thought actually could have been a good player to bring on towards the end, but obviously that was a bit risky. Dwight Gale as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it is yeah, we didn't have any defenders on the bench because he'd managed to somehow fit them all into this team, um, and it. It is ridiculous. Like, again, I was watching the game with my dad, as I always do, whenever possible. And it was just, we were looking at it. It's like, everybody, you looked on Twitter when we were talking as well. The red card gave him an absolute cop-out for this game. And I think we saw it after the game because he just spent like 10 minutes arguing about VAR, uh, Steve Bruce. But you look at the team and you think, well, he moved Shah into midfield for a part of the second half and played a back four. And then, but then you had, we had Hendrick and Longstaff on the wings and you've got Almiron, Anderson, Joe Linton, Richie, but bringing on Richie and Murphy didn't, he brought them on at the wrong time and he brought them on for the wrong players in my eyes. And it was really, uh, yeah, it, it just didn't work at all. And I was disappointed. In his interview, he said that um, he wanted to change things because they hadn't scored. And then because of the red card, it meant he couldn't make the changes he wanted to at half time, um, which obviously 
the red card is going to massively influence it. But I, again, I think he's creating his own problems by leaving it till half time to try and um, get a result back. Um, and he's like, I, I agree that the lineup gave me no confidence whatsoever in Newcastle getting a result. And what you've said before that we were feeling really pessimistic about this game. And then Steve Bruce pretty much consolidated that. Yeah, I think it tells you a lot about the state of the club when I think literally no Newcastle fan had any confidence going into a game against a team that had two points going into this halfway through the season. Like the worst start to any like league by any any English professional league by any team so far. And they managed, we went into it almost as the underdogs and still managed to completely mess it up. Um what did you think of the with a red card from a from a neutral perspective? Uh, and well, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, he got it took him just over I think it was three minutes and two seconds between his two yellow cards, and just for me, it was just reckless and stupid. Like you're about to go into half time, um, so you can sort of just re- regroup and go again, um, have a rest, and then just uh, you know, Steve Bruce said in his post match interview that he took full responsibility, but at the same time, you know. As much as you know, we are have and will blame him. Um, Ryan Fraser has put him in a terrible position, even worse position. Um, and for me, it was just a stupid uh, decision, really. Oh yeah, I think I think it's hugely on on Ryan Fraser because he is an experienced professional, uh, and in this type of game, he would have known how important it was to keep eleven men on the pitch, like when it was so like nil-nil and we'd somehow not conceded and we were still somewhat in the game against a team who have struggled uh, to create um, and yeah it was just so stupid like what it, when it when the second tackle went in for, for the second yellow it was almost in slow motion when I was watching I was I was like what how have you mistimed that so badly knowing that you're already on a yellow card it, it's just so stupid it was a lazy challenge as well like it was Almost as if he was trying, like it wasn't a surprising foul. Like it was re- a very obvious, like clear as day one, and it was just so needless as well. Like it just was unnecessary. But I mean, I just want to talk about Sheffield United quickly. You know, they got their first win in ages in the cup. Josie is a good boost to their confidence. And you know, in this game, I thought they looked um, a lot better. Like they were looking a lot more like they did last season. And they were creating chances. They weren't finishing them still, which is, they're still their sort of main problem. Um, but like in terms of intensity and patterns and um, organisation, I thought they were looking a lot stronger than when I've seen them other times this season. I agree entirely that uh, no Sheffield were good money for their win. Even if we didn't play well, they they were good money and they showed good combinations, especially they were. They were almost better against 11 men than they were against 10. And in the first half, they did some really nice sort of like passing interchanges in, in wide areas, especially. And it was really impressive, actually. And, and they deserved to win. Um, from a Newcastle point of view, that the way we approached it gave them the freedom to do that, though. Because by us sitting in our back five with a four and then a, a one, we gave them time on the ball. We gave them like options. And if you step onto them, they're already going to be second guessing themselves almost the the players for, for Sheffield because you can't help but do it when you're in such bad run of form. But by giving them the space and time and the confidence to do that, we just gave them an easy route into the game. Yeah, Newcastle definitely made it easy for them. I mean, at times it looked like an unopposed training drill when you're just practicing patterns of play. 
Um, and at times it was a bit pathetic um, in terms of just letting the bottom place team just play the football they want to rather than actually trying to have any sort of control over the game. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I am a huge... Also, I want to talk quickly before we get on to uh, more on Steve Bruce. Um, I think a huge amount has to be said about, about the mentality of a few of those players coming into this game as well. Even if you, fair enough, the formation wasn't great and the system wasn't great and the team he picked was bad. But you still, if you're the players, you know that you're coming into a game against the bottom of the league. You know that you, it is a must win. And Darlow talks about it before the game, how it was a, a, big, uh, a big performance was needed. I think Yedlin called it a six-pointer in the Newcastle interview beforehand. And they just came in and they... It was just a bit like everything was just a bit half-assed. Like never, they never actually looked. Fair enough, there were a couple of the players who who tried and did, did create a couple of things and who have kept us afloat somewhat this season. Darlow, Hayden, and uh, Wilson especially, but it was just incredibly sort of just lackadaisical, basically. Um, I want to come back to that slightly, but just before we sort of move on, I just want to talk about. Um, there was the Billy Sharp foul um, where he he got a yellow card. Do you think it could have been a red card? I think it definitely should have been a red card. Um, I don't think we would have deserved a way back into the game and it would have given us one. But I don't see how it can't be. He wasn't anywhere near the ball. It was late and it was studs came into the side of Shah's ankle. And Tricky. I think Shah's reaction almost sort of hindered it in a way because you see a lot of players going down screaming, and he did go down screaming. And I think it almost like it was almost like reverse psychology in the referee. Oh, it can't have been that bad. But then that is what VAR is there for, and he was nowhere near the ball, and it was just a absolutely completely cynical tackle. And it, I, in my eyes, it's a straight red card any day, and I would have been probably I would have. It's easy for me to say, but I would have said the same if it was a Newcastle player who made the tackle, it's, it is just, and uh, yeah, in, in a way I'm happy it didn't happen because it, did, it didn't, uh, by losing it, it does pile more pressure on, on Bruce and I think the sooner he's out of the club, the sooner we can start to rebuild slightly. Yeah, I agree that it was definitely like a cynical challenge and just like, he clearly was never going to get near the ball so it's just sort of lunging in for the sake of it. Um, and then obviously the goal they got was from the penalty, uh, handball from, I think it was Fernandez, wasn't it? Uh, what, did you, what did you make of that? Well, Billy Sharp again. He came on and did a. He did what he was supposed to do. It was a handful for the defenders uh, and provided that extra threat for them. And he ran through with Fernandez. It was bad body positioning in the first place to be in that race, and then it sort of tangled. It's a fifty-fifty, and then I think just the way that they've like barged into each other, it's ended up Fernandez's hand hitting the ball. Whether it was intentional or not, I think could be up for debate. But in today's game especially, I, I'm i not surprised that they gave it. Uh, I probably would have been screaming for it if it was the other way around. So I, I can't argue too much with it. Yeah, I think it was a, it was a justified penalty. Um, I, I don't know. I, I struggle to believe that it was intentional uh, just because it's so obvious. And these days with VAR, like, it has to be a really, really, like, clear-cut chance where they're going to guaranteed to score unless you put your hand in the way for the, for the defender to really have to do that. 
Um, and, you know, I, the commentator was saying how, you know, oh, he's looking directly at the ball. He's describing it as eye contact with the ball. And I was like, well, of course, where else is he going to be looking? Um, and he's like, oh, yeah, he's done that on purpose. He's looking at the ball, which I didn't really get. Um, but going back to what you said yeah. a minute ago, um, so sort of looking at Steve Bruce's future, obviously you sort of feel that his time at the club's up. And going like with that, you were saying about the players not trying hard. Do you think he's lost a dressing room in a sense? Oh, I think... I think hugely, to be honest with you. I think I wrote it in uh, a, a recent sort of uh, recruitment analysis that I've released uh, about Newcastle. I wrote that um, Steve Bruce's Newcastle are a bad runaway from um, disaster, pretty much. And as long as you keep picking up results every now and then, I think like you can re- maintain as a manager sort of the unity within the dressing room and everybody has a sort of like slightly bit of confidence. But as soon as that slight confidence goes, you do. St- I, I think the players do start to look at each other and look at the manager and think something's not working here. And I think it's blatantly clear to all the fans, especially that Steve Bruce just isn't the answer at all at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, Steve Bruce has said he'll never walk away from a challenge uh, despite resigning from several jobs before. And you've got a tough game run of games coming up. Um, how like not looking too in depth into each individual game but how like optimistic or pessimistic are you for the next couple of months or two uh i think you can put based on my what i've said so far you could probably guess uh my (laughs) we've got i'll just quickly run through our next eight games we've got arsenal aston villa uh leeds united everton palace Southampton, Chelsea, United and Wolves. I think that's nine games, actually. But I don't see us getting many points at all out of these games. I think Villa are in good form. Leeds are a better side than us at the moment. Arsenal, and then you've got Arsenal coming into form. Everton doing well. Palace at home is the main one. Whether he's still in charge by then in four games' time, in the fifth game's time. If we've lost, if we've got one point out of those four, then I wouldn't be surprised to see him not at the club anymore. And then you've got Southampton, Chelsea, United and Wolves, which are all incredibly difficult games. Uh, and I think Keith Downey, the Sky Sports reporter for Newcastle, uh, talks about how the club are reluctant to get rid of Bruce until we're drawn into a relegation battle. And I think it's a very good argument could be made that we're already in a relegation battle. Uh, and I don't see it how waiting no, I don't see what's going to change so I don't see how waiting really helps us at all I think it's just waiting for the inevitable which is another couple of defeats before we finally get rid of him yeah you tweeted the next run of five games and I said um, I'd be impressed if you got four points from that um, and that's sort of an optimistic um, guess as well so I, I personally like from a neutral perspective I'm I don't personally see the point of keeping Steve Bruce around. I like him as a bloke, but there's no like progression here. I don't see how you're going to improve in the next month or two from what, how you're currently playing. And I don't trust him to like really like um, try anything or really get the team going. And I think now is a good time to bring someone in and then maybe make one, maybe two January signings to sort of uh, rejuvenate the squad somewhat. Yeah. I mean, if I was playing devil advocate, 
I would say that we have. I, I think it's unlikely that we're going to sign anyone in January. By the way, I think uh, I think at best we'll sign one or two, like maybe loan players. Um, but uh, what I was going to say, we he has for the last during this period of bad form, he's been missing Saint Maximin, who's possibly one of our well is one of our best players, uh, and he's been missing Lascelles, who even though I don't particularly rate him as a defender. He's our captain and he's the club captain. And I think if you're looking at it from an outside point of view and you told the... If you'd never seen Newcastle and then you told the... Uh, you said, this manager might be sacked, but he has, for this period of time, been missing one of their best players and their captain. It is... You can see... And another reason that I think they might keep him in for a while is until they find a replacement, because I don't think it's that easy to find a replacement who'd be willing to come uh, to, to to find the ideal replacement who's going to really upgrade the team. Yeah, I think that's also true. I think it would be interesting to see who they did bring in because um, Brexit, the new Brexit rules make it tough to bring in just any manager you want as well. So it does limit your options there. Um, and, you know, at the same time, I think it does give an opportunity potentially to take a risk and um, look at some of the English co- young English coaches who aren't necessarily getting chances uh, throughout the game and take a risk there. Obviously, Slavan Bilic, is, you've missed out on. He's gone to China now after being, uh, in my opinion, slightly unfairly sacked from West Brom. And on Eddie Howe is still available as well, which could be an interesting option, I think. Uh, that would be mine and Tom's, one of our preferred options, anyway. Um, yeah, I think... Sorry. No, you go. Yeah, I think uh, Eddie, Eddie Howe is the ideal and obvious replacement uh, to bring the person to bring in. I think that our Bournemouth, our current Bournemouth connections would help possibly and I think he's young and would be a bit of a breath of fresh air with the sort of attacking style of play that he likes to adopt uh so yeah I, I think he would be a good signing as I agree as well with um well good appointment and I agree with as well with uh, Luke that uh taking that missing out on Billich is a shame as well because I actually also like him as a manager and think he was unfairly sacked by by West Brom yeah and then, so before we move on to the Arsenal game, uh, I just want to, we've looked at Steve's future. I just want to quickly look at Steve Bruce's past. Um, me and Tom found out this week or heard about the fact that during the 90s, uh, Steve Bruce wrote a series of books, um, which he is now very embarrassed by, and is a laughing stock, which is a cool to him. Uh, Tom, do you want to say Oh, yeah, I, I'll... I'll... I can read some extracts of, of a review of, 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 of Steve Bruce's first of a trilogy of novels. It's Striker, Defender and Sweeper, I think they're called. Um, and they, they, they follow uh, Steve Bruce, who uh, Steve Bruce's character is Steve Barnes, which is based on Bruce. Uh, and he is a, hang on, let me find, I've got it in front of me. Let me just find the uh, quote that I'm looking for. Yeah, I, we just found this incredibly funny when we uh, when we found this. Uh, yeah, so Barnes finds young Irish striker Pat Duffy stabbed to death in the change room and becoming suspected of the murder, spends the rest of the book struggling to clear his name. Uh, on his quest, Barnes encounters gun-toting Irish thugs, disgruntled baby mamas, and treacherous, heavily armed coaching staff not to mention a gay nightclub-owning drug dealer with a glad eye for middle-aged football managers and a thrilling top-of-the-table clash between Leathersford and Fulham, 
that what that's watched over by a rogue sniper intent on killing our trusty hero. And, and I, I don't want to that... spoil the book. I don't want to spoil the book for anyone, but the uh, the sniper shoots the ball out from underneath of Steve Bruce's foot uh, when he stood in the uh, dugout. Steve Barnes. Steve Not Barnes. Steve. <laughs> uh, and I, if that doesn't make you want to go and spend your hard-earned money on a on a Steve Bruce novel, I think the the this is the easiest to get apparently. Uh, striker, where that was from. Uh, if you want to get your hands on Defender, it'll cost you s- around 70 quid on eBay, is, is what the, the quoted... Sorry, Sweeper is 70 pounds on, on eBay. So, yeah, not that we're advertising for him, but I definitely am. I I am really... I, I think that would be incredibly funny to watch. It's 128 pages, Steve Bruce's Striker, and uh, some of the pros shows Bruce's nouse for witty one-liners, which I cannot imagine at all. Um, in the book, I'm not sure which one, uh, but he's asked by the by MI5 or someone to go undercover on some sort of espionage mission, and he says that the reason he the reason he can't do it isn't because he's a football manager who doesn't have the necessary experience. The reason is because he doesn't have any international caps for England. <laughs> oh, it is that it just is funny. It's just it's the, the icing on the. It's icing on the cake. It is really com- comedy gold. And yeah, when we first found it, we couldn't stop pissing ourselves. Yeah, so, I mean, I just wanted to bring this up just to give uh, a bit of a cheery side to the podcast rather than the uh, the less exciting first half. Um, <laughs> exactly. And then looking forward, uh, moving on from that, we have uh, Arsenal away in the next game. Um, what are you expecting for that? And do you expect a change in shape and uh, what the team's going to try and do, or do you expect sort of more of the same? Um, well, uh, I think I think it'll just be more of the same, to be honest with you. I think he'll probably bring back in Jolent and Almiron, hopefully. That's my that's my hope, anyway. I'd like to see Anderson and Matty Longstaff feature a bit. I don't know whether they'll all start, obviously, but uh, Wilson will start. Whether he moves away from a back five remains under question. I thought if he was going to move away from back five, the game in Sheffield was the one to do it in, and I don't see why he'd then do it away at Arsenal. Um, but even though it wasn't a full-strength Arsenal side, we did take them to nil-nil at full-time in the FA Cup and had very good chances through uh, Andy Carroll. That should give the team a little bit of a boost going back to the Emirates so soon. Uh, I'm not hopeful. Um, I yeah, I think it's very difficult to be hopeful as a Newcastle fan at the moment. I think you will probably stick with the five at the back. Uh, it'll probably be the the five, two, three, or the five, four, one, whatever you want to call it, uh, that you'll adopt. I can't really imagine going for back four, even though I personally think it's probably a good idea. But we'll see. Yeah. Well, have you got anything else to add about this incredibly depressing podcast that we've discussed, uh, Newcastle's defeat to Sheffield United, or should we wrap it up there? Uh, I'm ready to wrap it up. I will just mention, uh, Tom did mention his uh, new series of articles, but if you haven't already, I should definitely go uh, have a look. It's on Target Scouting, which is the website me and Tom run as well. Um, And it's a five-part piece. uh, Fifth part is out tomorrow. And we record this and it's looking at targets for uh, Newcastle's sort of, ne- not this window really, but uh, probably the summer. There's some really good targets and ideas in there. 
So yeah, go have a look. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, yeah. Good. Feel free to go and give it a read. And any feedback is always appreciated. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next time.